actress Michelle Williams perfects the euphemistic manipulation of language in her Golden Globes acceptance speech, where she credits the murder of her child as a necessary sacrifice for her golden statue. Then a California couple wins a wrongful birth settlement, claiming they would have aborted their daughter had they known she had Down syndrome in utero. Lastly, Planned Parenthood's new annual report proves what we all know, abortions no matter what. I'm Seth Gruber and this is How to Abort. Welcome to Unaborted with Seth Gruber. Thanks for tuning in today. Hey, there's a few things I want to get to today, but I want to start with Michelle Williams' Golden Globes speech, which has gone fairly viral in the last several days and has incited hundreds of responses from pro-life individuals and pro-life leaders because of the moral bankruptcy of Michelle Williams' comments, but also the intellectual honesty of her comments, exposing what the pro-abortion movement really believes about sexual libertinism and self-fulfillment. But if you did watch the Golden Globes, which I assume you didn't because who does? In fact, I only became aware of it because of Ricky Gervais's hilarious lambasting of Hollywood for their double standards and their hypocrisy when it comes to morality. And so he gets up there hosting the Golden Globes and basically tells everyone there, you're in no position to lecture the country on morality. You work for companies that employ individuals in sweat factories. He makes a joke saying, if ISIS started a streaming service, you'd call your agent, wouldn't you? So shut up, come up here and get your award and sit the F down. It's basically what he said. Well, Michelle Williams didn't take his advice, of course, showing the power of Hollywood self-delusion and convincing yourself that you're actually a really good person, despite the fact that most of these people can't remain married for more than two years. Most of them have probably killed a certain number of children through abortion in order to pursue their Hollywood career. And, and, and so Michelle Williams gets up there and credits her golden globe, her golden statue, in fact, her entire Hollywood successful career to the murder of her child to her abortion. And what made this particularly ghoulish and creepy was that she was currently pregnant. She's currently pregnant. She gets up there to accept this award, visibly pregnant, and thanks her abortion for her golden globe. And so we're going to break down her whole speech, which was short, but was, if anything, an example in the euphemistic manipulation of language. I mean, her speech is incredibly moving if you don't have a moral compass. It's incredibly moving if you're pro-choice or if you think that abortion is just a personal rights issue that even if you're opposed to should be left to each woman's individual conscience. She has perfected how to describe one of the most evil things in the world, the killing of a baby, of a defenseless human, in ways that make it sound not just intellectually tenable, but socially and spiritually good as something praiseworthy. So we're going to start here with her first clip, 
where she repeats the pro-choice propaganda message that consent to sex is actually not consent to pregnancy, which comes as news to most of America and certainly the entire scientific community that knows exactly what can result from coitus. So we'll go ahead and play this first clip. I'm grateful for the acknowledgement of the choices I've made, and I'm also grateful to have lived at a moment in our society where choice exists, because as women and as girls, things can happen to our bodies that are not our choice. So in the typical euphemistic Orwellian language of the abortion rights movement, Michelle Williams begins her tirade in a way that seems to suggest something other than abortion. And right, and this is what the the euphemistic ninjas of the English language do so well when they describe abortion as something other than the slaughter of an innocent baby, is they start with something that describes a value that everyone agrees with, that everyone gets on board with. Before she makes the comment that as women, things can happen to our bodies that are not our choice, it is not entirely apparent that she is discussing abortion. She's just saying, I'm happy to live at a moment in history in a country that enables me to exercise my choice. Yeah, we all have choices. This is the freest country in human history. You can do more as an independent moral agent here than anywhere else at any other time in history. It's not even clear that she's talking about abortion until she makes the transition. And this is what the pro-choice movement is so good at doing. They are masters of manipulating language in order to push a extremely disgusting view of human equality onto a country and disguise it in the form of a pill that's easier to swallow by manipulating the language. So she then makes the transition to abortion, making it clear what she's talking about by saying that things can happen to our bodies that are not our choice. Really interesting, because I thought consent to sex was consent to pregnancy. Things happen to your body. It just happened. You just woke up and you were pregnant without your choice. In fact, Kristen Hawkins, the president of Students for Life of America, several months ago gave a talk at a university and when she said consent to sex is not consent to pregnancy, the the crowd listening to her speech just erupted in fury, completely unaware of that, apparently, because they have bought the sexual pill, uh, the sexual libertinism pill of the sexual revolution that suggests that you, in fact, can separate sex from pregnancy. Sex is all about your enjoyment and has nothing to do with procreation until you decide that it has something to do with procreation. So you can shove your definition of family and reproduction and human flourishing onto Biology, essentially, which is what the left does with everything, right? Men can now become women. Women can become men. Babies aren't babies. You can shove your, <clears throat> your individualistic fantasy subjective definition of reality onto reality itself. But we all know that consent to sex is consent to pregnancy. So according to the Guttmacher Institute, 99.5% of women consent to pregnancy because their statistic here says that the most recent percentages suggest that half of a percent of the annual abortions in America are performed on women who identify as having been raped. 
Those women would not have consented to pregnancy. Obviously, they were raped. But that means that 99.5% of women, according to pro-choice Guttmacher, consented to pregnancy because they consented to sex. And yet Michelle Williams is pushing this ludicrous claim that you can somehow separate the two. And so she continues here with, again, some of the most finely tuned euphemistic language I have ever heard in describing the beautiful scenery of her life that she's been able to paint, essentially with the blood of her unborn offspring that was no longer there to prevent her from pursuing her vision of the good life. I've tried my very best to live a life of my own making, not just a series of events that happened to me, but one that I could stand back and look at and recognize my handwriting all over, sometimes messy and scrawling, sometimes careful and precise, but one that I had carved with my own hand. And I wouldn't have been able to do this without employing a woman's right to choose. Oh, such courage, so courageous, so fearless. Do you see this woman they pan over to at the end here crying? She's crying. You hear people saying, preach it. And there's someone heckling, yelling something about how happy they are that she said, the only way I was able to achieve this beautiful scenery of my life <clears throat> that I painted was by killing my unborn offspring. This this finely tuned euphemistic piece of propaganda would honestly shame Hitler's ability as a manipulator of language. And he is one of the most timeless figures that had achieved this type of manipulation of language. And the success of which was gauged by the amount of German citizens that swallowed that pill and actually celebrated the actions that he was perpetrating onto Jews as something not just justified, but actually good. And her ability to do this in regards to abortion honestly leaves Hitler in the dust. I mean, it's a very compelling speech. Like, it sounds really beautiful if you weren't describing the slaughter of babies. <clears throat> and so she says, I wouldn't have been able to do this without employing a woman's right to choose. But notice how she never says the word abortion. In fact, in her entire speech, she never says the word abortion. She always describes it as a woman's right to choose, as exercising choice. Why do they do this? Why does she do this? If abortion is healthcare, as the pro-choice movement says it is, as Planned Parenthood says it is, I mean, they're running whole campaigns right now around around describing abortion as healthcare. That's what they're trying to push. Abortion is a commonplace medical procedure, just like any other procedure. It's family planning. It's reproductive healthcare. It is healthcare. If abortion is healthcare and nobody thinks that healthcare is controversial, then why not describe your choice as abortion? So I was at a Catholic school the other day, just yesterday, actually, doing an assembly with the student body there. And during the Q&A, a woman stands up and says, I'm not for abortion. I'm for choice. I'm for the choice of women to decide their own futures, essentially. And I asked her, I said, I said, choose what? 
She refused to answer the question at first. And I insisted, choose what? And she said, abortion. And then I said, what is abortion? Now, this was after my presentation. I had given my defense of the pro-life position and my description of what abortion is. I asked her, what is abortion? And she said in a Freudian slip, the killing of a baby. She said, killing a baby. That's exactly right. This is why I often say that reality has an annoying tendency of reasserting itself in our lives. This woman was pro-choice, and I have no reason to believe that she became pro-life when I was done speaking. I hope I put a stone in her shoe, and oftentimes pro-choice moderates will change their position over time. But it was clear that she was pro-choice, and yet she admitted in response to the question, what is abortion? She said, killing a baby. I think many women like Michelle Williams know on a more fundamental, deep level that that is what abortion is. You have to be incredibly self-deluded to maintain that it's anything but that. And some people really are that self-deluded. And Michelle Williams may indeed be that self-deluded. Or she could be resorting to this type of manufactured self-delusion in order to remain sane. In order to resort to psychological self-speak that tells herself that what she did was morally justified and praiseworthy and was not the killing of her child. Because dealing with that reality would be significantly traumatic and overwhelming apart from the grace of God, apart from the realization that there is actually forgiveness and healing available to you. I think that that is what is going on here. I think that even in an attempt to praise abortion and encourage others to praise abortion, Michelle Williams can't help but describe abortion as something other than abortion because words have meanings. (laughs) And those meanings suggest, in this case, a very immoral choice the choice to kill your child. So Michelle Williams says that I carved this beautiful scenery of my life by eliminating my child, by exercising and employing a woman's right to choose. Well, at least she's being intellectually honest. And so she continues here. To choose when to have my children and with whom, when I felt supported and able to balance our lives, knowing as all mothers know that the scales must and will tip towards our children. Wow. So there's, there's, this is what I mean. I told you there's a lot to unpack here. So notice she, she continues. This is just a continuation of her same thought. She said, I wouldn't have been able to do this without employing a woman's right to choose, to choose when to have my children and with whom. Apparently referring back to the abortion that she referenced when she said that if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't have been able to achieve everything that I've been able to achieve. But she describes that circumstance, that season of her life as choosing when to have my children and with whom. Except the unborn child you killed was your child. You exercising your right to choose when you're pregnant and the choice is an abortion is not choosing when to have children and with whom. You already did that in bed. You already chose who to have a child with, you consented to the possibility of pregnancy, and the child in your womb was a child, and you were already his or her mother. So you weren't 
you weren't practicing your reproductive health choices. You were eliminating a human being that was already reproduced through your consent to sex. And yet pro-choicers always discuss abortion within this framework, don't they? They discuss it within the framework of family planning, choosing when to start a family. Think about the name of Planned Parenthood, Planning Parenthood. Yeah, except that the vast disproportionate amount of their services are eliminating the children of parents who are their parents because they're their biological children residing in their mother's wombs. See, see, the left needs euphemisms. The pro-choice movement needs euphemisms because the reality is too intense. The reality is too disgusting. And if you describe things as they really are, especially when it pertains to abortion, you know that larger numbers of people will reject your ideas because they're bad ideas. And so she continues by saying, when I felt supported and able to balance our lives, knowing as all mothers know that the scales must and will tip towards our children. Yeah, except you didn't let the scales tip towards your unborn child. You killed her. You refuse to let the scales tip towards the child that you eliminated. What Michelle Williams is really saying here is she's saying, because I wasn't ready to let the scales tip towards my child, I killed her in the womb so that I didn't have to live with the guilt of giving birth to her, knowing that I was still too selfish for motherhood. That's what Michelle Williams is saying here. I didn't want to let the scales tip towards that child. I wasn't ready to do that. And so rather than living with the realization of my parental responsibility to a child that I gave birth to, I killed her in the womb so I could avoid that knowledge. <laughs> I mean, that's what she's saying here. She's acknowledging that being a parent comes along with allowing the scales to tip towards your child, what does that insinuate? It insinuates selflessness, right? It insinuates growing up, caring less about yourself and more about the child that you created. She acknowledges that that's part and parcel of being a parent, unless you're a parent to an unborn child, in which case they're just a blob of insensate non-person tissue that can be ripped limb from limb. This is what self-delusion looks like. And yet we understand that the reality is, is that parenthood is the most fulfilling thing in life. Not only will parenthood force you into selflessness and make you a better person, but it will also bring you far more joy than any stupid fleeting statue or, more, or moment of applause from other multimillionaires who have also left their families in the dust in their pursuit of career well-being. The very thing that would have brought the deepest meaning and purpose to Michelle Williams at that stage in her life would have been choosing to give birth to the child that she already created and choosing to be a selfless parent to that child. But instead, she slaughtered her child because she wasn't ready to let the scales tip towards her child. At least this is a little bit of intellectual honesty coming from a proponent of abortion rights and from Hollywood. And so Michelle Williams continues here with a couple final 
final calls to Hollywood and women in America, which is always extremely annoying, isn't it? When when women claim to speak for all women when they defend abortion or call all women to think and vote like them because abortions are really, really good and we need abortions for all women. And so Michelle Williams continues here by thanking God for this freedom of choice she has to kill her children and encourage others to think just like her. Now, I know my choices might look different than yours, but thank God or whomever you pray to that we live in a country founded on the principle that I am free to live by my faith and you are free to live by yours. Yeah, unless your faith tells you that it's wrong to kill babies and you don't want to be coerced into participating in the killing of babies. Then Michelle Williams would tell you to get your rosaries off her ovaries and to stop imposing your faith on her. Isn't it funny how the left and Hollywood and the pro-choice movement always lambast religious pro-life individuals, accusing them of imposing their religion on the rest of the country by suggesting that we shouldn't kill babies. But then if you claim that your faith can actually exist in conjunction with abortion rights, then you the rest of the country should thank God for that faith and not get in the way of you imposing your secular religion of secular humanism on the rest of the country. Because as you may remember, in November of 2019, to the great cheers of the left, by the way, a federal judge struck down the Trump administration's conscience rights rule allowing clinicians to object to abortion. And I covered this, I believe, in episode 20. The conscience rights rule under the, under the HHS department of the Trump administration would have withheld federal funding from healthcare providers who were complicit in coercing staff into performing abortions against their moral and religious beliefs. So if you're a Catholic or a Protestant and you're a nurse and you don't want to perform an abortion and you say, I don't want to perform an abortion that goes against my moral and religious beliefs and I won't do it, even though there's other nurses who probably don't have moral qualms with performing the abortion, that some of these hospitals were coercing these religious healthcare providers into assisting with or performing abortions upon threat of career termination. And so the HHS department under the Trump administration said that if you do that, we're going to withhold federal funds from you. But a federal judge struck down that rule, meaning that they are going to enable healthcare providers to coerce individual staff members or nurses to assist with or perform abortions against their moral or religious beliefs upon threat of career termination. So much for a country founded on the principle that Michelle Williams says is free to live by my faith. And she says, you are free to live by yours. Yeah. I'd love to see Michelle Williams come out with a comment lambasting this federal judge for preventing the HHS department from implementing the conscious protections rights rule, which would have literally protected the freedom of pro-life nurses to live by their faith, which she says we should all thank God for. <laughs> Do you see the moral inconsistency? I highly doubt that Michelle Williams would applaud and get behind the Trump administration's conscious protections rule to protect the ability 
of pro-life nurses to live according to their faith. But she is going to lecture you and the rest of the country that she should be able to live according to her faith when she prays to her God, who I can only imagine is Molech, because that gave her the freedom to live out her secular religious expression by arranging the slaughter of her unborn child. So she continues here with one last call to America. So women, 18 to 118, when it is time to vote, please do so in your own self-interest. It's what men have been doing for years. Do you see that that same woman wiping the little tear, trying to I don't mess up my makeup? Oh, so proud, so brave, so courageous, speaking truth to power as she stands there, currently visibly pregnant with a child who apparently now has moral worth, but whose dead sibling didn't because he or she got in the way of mom's career. And yet now Michelle Williams is going to say, because I was able to achieve this golden statue by slaughtering my child, so too should all women vote according to their self-interest. All women? According to whose self-interest? According to your interests that you have, which are vested interests in the protection of women's sexual freedom to kill their unborn child. What hubris to speak to America as if you're speaking to all women to vote in accordance with your own self-interest. Yeah, except at least half of American females don't believe that it's in their self-interest to vote to continue protecting the legality of ripping the arms off of unborn children in their mother's wombs, 50% of whom will be unborn females. So much for women's rights. I don't see you protecting the rights of those women. Now, Michelle Williams actually did a favor for the pro-life movement. And I want to talk about that in just one second and what I mean by that. But first, if you like this show and want to hear more great content and commentary from the front lines of the abortion wars, then head on over to patreon.com slash unaborted and become a patron of the show. And this is what enables us to reach more people, provide more content and commentary to those of us who believe in the dignity and value of all human beings. And hey, you're really busy. You're providing for your family. But this is supposed to be a community of unaborted human beings to encourage you and equip you to go out into the marketplace, into your workplace, into your church, and be a voice for those who don't have one. So if you want to support this show and enable us to reach more people, head on over to patreon.com slash unaborted, and we'll be right back with a whole lot more. <laughs> So I actually believe that Michelle Williams did a favor for the pro-life movement and gave a megaphone to a pro-life message that wouldn't have reached nearly as many people had it not been coming from Michelle Williams, a Hollywood icon at the Golden Globes stage. So what do I mean by that? Well, what is a pro-life message? There's a lot of messages we have, of course, but typically what we're doing is we're articulating the immorality of abortion, the impermissibility of abortion centered around the fact that it kills a child, that it's impermissible to do so. In fact, it's a, it's a choice of selfishness. Selflessness would be giving your child life and putting your own desires and dreams to the side 
in favor of the child that you created. So pro-lifers make the point that abortion is an act of selfishness that kills a human being in order to obtain your vision of the good life. But the pro-choice message is typically that what? Abortion is reproductive health care. Just like any other commonplace medical procedure, abortion is health care. Well, that is that is an increasingly easier pill to swallow and indoctrinate the culture with, right? Say abortion is healthcare. That's a that's an easier sell and pitch than I killed my baby to get a Golden Globe, which is what Michelle Williams is saying. She's being honest that not only was that her rationale and her reasoning, but that it was a good reasoning. It was a good choice that she was able to make. And she praises her ability and her God for giving her the choice to do so. So Michelle Williams actually did a favor for the pro-life movement by giving a megaphone to one of the most fundamental pro-life claims, that abortion is a selfish act of murder that sacrifices your child on the altar of career well-being and self-fulfillment. That claim will not sit nearly as well with Americans and pro-choice moderates than the claim abortion is reproductive health care. When you design your euphemistic language around abortion being health care, it's easier to get more people on board with that because nobody wants to deny women health care, right? But if you say, I got an abortion so that I could make it in Hollywood, I killed my baby in order to get a Golden Globe, that will turn off more people with a functioning moral compass, a semi-functioning moral compass, then will the claim abortion is reproductive health care. So I think she actually did a favor to the pro-life movement by articulating a pro-life message that no pro-lifer would have been able to get on the stage of the Golden Globes. Michelle Williams' comments force Americans to take sides. This, this shameless bravado and promotion of killing your offspring to secure your Hollywood dreams is, is ghoulish enough to rattle even the most callous soul. Of course, there will always be those that are far too callous and self-deluded to be persuaded into changing their positions. But the pro-choice movement has tried to set up a narrative that says that the world is cleanly split up between pro-life leaders and pro-choice fanatics. And it's just not true. There is an increasing number of Americans who are on the fence or support certain restrictions on abortion while accepting abortion earlier stages of pregnancy. So they understand that there is a moral aspect to abortion such that they reject abortion after a certain point of the unborn child's development. So in light of the controversy over her comments, Americans will either double down and in so doing admit that killing your child for career well-being is both permissible and honorable, or they will acknowledge reality by saying that is a step too far. It's wrong to get an abortion just to make it in film, just to make it in Hollywood. Come on, that's screwed up. There are a lot of Americans who will think that way, even if they support the legality of abortion up to or through a certain level of the unborn child's development. But if that is a step too far, that begs the question, why is killing your unborn offspring on the altar of career well-being a step too far? What about doing that makes it a step too far? Only by admitting that the unborn child has moral worth can you then say 
It's wrong to kill your child in the womb in order to get a Golden Globe, in order to make it in Hollywood. You have to admit that the unborn child has some level of moral worth or else the statement, it's wrong to kill that baby to make it in Hollywood, has no coherence to it. Because if the unborn child doesn't have moral worth, then you should be able to kill them for any reason or no reason at all. If they're no more morally indistinguishable from a clump of cells or a polyp, if if morally they're comparative to the removal of a polyp, then it doesn't matter why you would get an abortion. But if it, that is a step too far, then that suggests the unborn child has moral worth. When the consequences of your ideology lead to consequences you don't like, you should reject your worldview, your political philosophy, your ideology. You shouldn't double down and insist that your position is still right, despite the fact that you don't like the consequences of your ideology. So in this case, for the growing number of Americans who are becoming increasingly uncomfortable with the abortion juggernaut and have enough of a semi-functioning moral compass to say that killing your unborn child through abortion in order to make it in Hollywood is a step too far, that is them acknowledging that they don't like the consequences of where the pro-choice worldview leads to. And if you don't, then abandon your pro-choice worldview. I think that's what is going on here. And I'm at least grateful that Michelle Williams was intellectually honest enough to say that she doesn't believe there's any moral qualms with getting an abortion to make it in Hollywood. Pray for her, certainly. The woman is self-deluded and lost but at least an intellectually honest message was articulated in Hollywood. And so in response to Michelle Williams' abortion speech, holding her golden idol that she received in return for the blood of her child, Leah Darrow, a former model and outspoken Christian, recorded a video in her hospital bed as she's in labor responding to Michelle Williams' disgusting comments. And it is beautiful. It is awesome. This is a woman who has made a lot of money and been extremely successful in a similar market that depends on the beautification of self. Now, again, she's a former model and now she's being a mom and, uh, and, and, and being outspoken with her beliefs about Christianity. And yet she articulates a very different worldview, a different philosophy of self-fulfillment, of career well-being. And it's a message that our culture needs, especially the young people in our country that look to the men and women who were sitting in the room at the Golden Globes as examples of success while they promulgate disgusting ideas and values that we understand to be vices because they don't lead to self-fulfillment. They don't lead to human flourishing. They lead to disappointment. They lead to hopelessness. And in light of that, this is what Leah Darrow had to say hours away from giving birth to her child as she's currently in labor. This obviously is not what I planned on doing or saying, but it was on my heart. So I'm going to say it, especially in light of what Michelle Williams said at the Golden Globes. Um, I am here getting ready to deliver my fifth baby. And I want to let all you women know, all you 
young ladies who haven't had babies or maybe listening to what the culture says about birth and women and babies and choice. Babies don't keep us from our dreams. I'm getting ready to deliver some a baby that will not keep me from my professional growth, but will make me better because of it. And I'm so honored and excited and I can't wait to have this baby. And um, there needs to be more speeches out there like that of women who are brave and strong and know that children do not keep us from our lives, but they make our lives better. So that's all I want to say. That is my acceptance speech of this new little baby that I'm going to be having soon. Beautiful, perfect, exactly right, isn't it? Here is a woman, Michelle Williams, who is not part of the all women that you have encouraged to go vote according to your secular ideology, as you assume that all women think that it's in their self-interest to procure the death of their child or protect others' rights to procure the same death. This is exactly right. Children make our lives better. They don't keep us from our dreams or professional growth, she says but make us better because of it. Children do not keep us from our lives. They make our lives better. Exactly. But why? Why do children make our lives better? Is it merely because they make us happier? In which case, meaning that having children is still all about you, which is why many people do have children. Or is there more to it than that? You see, pro-life individuals believe that human beings have intrinsic dignity Meaning that it is in virtue of being a human being to have moral worth. You cannot separate the value and moral worth of a human being from them. It is in virtue of being part of the human species to have moral worth, value, and dignity. So children are a blessing and a joy because they are infinitely valuable. Not because merely of what they provide to us. Not merely because of how we feel having had children, but because of who they are objectively. And if you're a Christian, then you believe that the explanation for that phenomenon is that God creates life and breathes life into the creation that he knits together in the womb and that those human beings reflect his image and his likeness. And that explains why human beings are infinitely valuable. But contrastively, the pro-choicer believes that human value is merely instrumental, meaning that your personhood and value is based on whether or not you are an instrumental good to me. So it's completely subjective. And if you're not an instrumental good, then you're screwed and you get aborted like Michelle Williams' kid was because that child wasn't an instrumental good to Michelle Williams at that stage of her life. So the child was discarded, to put it lightly, was killed because what was instrumentally good for mom was to get a Golden Globe was to trade the blood of her child for a golden statue, which, by the way, has been happening for millennia. So this is nothing new, and yet it continues to be pushed as an example of human flourishing, pushing the message that human flourishing has merely to do with your subjective sense of self-fulfillment and career well-being. Rather than the timeless principles and values that our country used to share 
such as family, such as selflessness, such as actually making sacrifices for your children because they are intrinsically valuable in and of themselves by merely existing and warrant you caring for them, loving them, and sacrificing aspects of your life in order to ensure their best life. And you don't get to do that by killing your own children. We're going to get you another example in a second of parents defining their child's value based on their subjective standard of their child's instrumental good, sadly, in just one second. But first, I've teamed up with my new friend, Sarah Vienna, for a pro-life church tour. Sarah is an international speaker and singer who works in Romania and the States, defending the cause of the needy from unborn to elderly. Our I'm Alive Church Tour is named after Sarah's song, I'm Alive. I'm Alive Tour captures both the beauty and truth of the pro-life position. And speaking both to the heart and the head, this tour will win the hearts of your church for life while equipping them to defend life. Based on biblical truths, I'm Alive can help your church create a culture of life that fights to love our unborn neighbors and their mothers and fathers. So we are booking this tour for the summer of 2020, primarily in Southern California, and this tour will fill up fast. So to bring I'm Alive to your church, email us at imalivetour at gmail.com. imalivetour at gmail.com for questions and bookings. And we'll be right back in just one second with a whole lot more. Welcome back to Unaborted with Seth Gruber. So sadly, we're going to get to another example here of parents defining their child's value based purely on their subjective standard of their child's instrumental good, meaning that the child isn't intrinsically valuable and therefore deserving of your love and protection. Rather, they're only deserving of a right to life and your protection if the parents determine that the child isn't too much of a burden for their life. And sadly, we see that increasingly in the abortion debate as it pertains to the children diagnosed with Down syndrome. So according to Live Action News on January 10th, a California couple recently just won a wrongful birth settlement for their Down syndrome baby, meaning that their child was not diagnosed with Down syndrome in utero. She gives birth to the baby. They then discover that the child has Down syndrome. And so they sue the OBs for not having performed an amniocentesis test <clears throat> in utero because had they done that and known a priori that their child had Down syndrome, they would have killed him in the womb. They would have killed her, her in the womb. So this child's value is entirely dependent on her parents' definition of that child's instrumental good. And if you don't meet the litmus test, if you don't get above the bar, you're screwed and can be killed. This is our culture of death. So according to the article, a California couple has successfully settled <clears throat> with their medical groups and physicians responsible for their obstetrical care after their daughter was born with Down syndrome. They claim they should have received a diagnosis prenatally so they could have had an abortion. The terms of the settlement were not clear, but the couple had originally been asking for $80 million. So now what they're going to do, see, is they're going to use their daughter who apparently 
has no moral worth or apparently got moral worth magically through personhood conferring fairy dust as the child passed through the birth canal because no very few pro-choicers support the killing of babies once they're born, even if they have Down syndrome. But if you have Down syndrome and you're in the womb, then it's okay to kill you. So apparently this child got magical con- con- personhood conferring fairy dust sprinkled on it during childbirth. And now that this child that they hate and wanted to kill in the womb had they known their daughter had Down syndrome is born in here, they're going to use their daughter as a prop in order to obtain money through a lawsuit from the OBs who should have told them that their daughter had Down syndrome. Lovely, huh? Great. They must be great parents. I'm really looking forward to how this child turns out with such moral degenerates of parents. Our article continues and says, the parents claim the mother underwent a second trimester ultrasound. While it is not clear if she ever asked for prenatal testing or if there were any soft markers seen on the ultrasound, the parents felt that they should have received a prenatal diagnosis so they could have aborted their daughter. Their daughter, born in 2014, was diagnosed with a congenital heart defect after birth, which was corrected through surgery. Oh, man, I, that surgery must have been ex- expensive. Uh, and I guess so you have to sue your OBs to try to pay for a surgery that was performed on a child that you wanted to slaughter or would have wanted to slaughter in the womb had you known that they weren't chromosomally perfect. So what does all this mean? It means that our culture has lost track of the timeless narratives and values that used to unite much of America. Now, we've all we've never been perfectly united on anything, but we certainly were much more united metaphysically, philosophically, ideologically on matters of family, faith and freedom a mere 80 years ago, a mere 100 years ago. Values like family, like self-sacrifice, the belief that the needy and dependent ones among us deserve to be loved and cared for, not discarded, that parenting children is both hard and rewarding, and that children who are more difficult to parent are no less valuable or worthy of your love. In fact, in many circumstances, are more deserving of it because they need more of it. We've lost the narrative. We now think that arranging the death of children who are not chromosomally perfect is not just acceptable, but praiseworthy. It should be applauded. And this is the same worldview that Michelle Williams is advancing, right? That if my subjective standard of my child's worth is this, and then my child doesn't meet this definition, this standard, doesn't clear the litmus test bar, then I can kill them. Michelle Williams' circumstance, it was purely contextual because she's pregnant now and keeping her baby. So I guess she's generating enough cash flow. Maybe she has someone that feels will support her. But you see, when she wasn't generating enough cash flow or didn't have a partner that she felt that she wanted to be the father of the child that she killed, then she applied that subjective standard to kill her child. It's the same thing. It's just the recycling of the same bad ideas in different contexts. In this context, the parents also don't want to be disadvantaged just in a different way. They're probably not millionaires like Michelle Williams, but they don't want to be disadvantaged either. With a child who is not chromosomally perfect and a child that will be more burdensome for them 
to raise. But apparently they don't think it's okay to kill that child post-utero. They, it looks like they paid to have the surgery done on the child. Apparently that child suddenly had enough moral worth to be cared for post-utero. Or maybe they don't think that, but they just don't want to be responsible to a culture and society that at least still shuns infanticide. Either way, they've lost the narrative. They've bought bad ideas. According to some studies, 90% of babies diagnosed with Down syndrome through genetic testing are aborted. I mean, this is horrendous. This is pure and simple eugenics, the intentional weeding out of human beings based on their instrumental good to us. And if we don't like how they're chromosomally constructed, then we'll intentionally eliminate them to create a more pure and powerful race. Sound familiar? This means even amongst those who believe unborn children have some level of moral worth, they will strip that moral worth from unborn children who are not chromosomally perfect and simply abort them. Because had this child not had Down syndrome, would this couple have got an abortion? No, we both know they wouldn't have. The only reason they filed a wrongful birth lawsuit was because they would have killed the child had they had Down syndrome, had they known the child had Down syndrome. But because they didn't know that they had the baby. So we know that they wouldn't have wanted an abortion if the child was did not have Down syndrome. So even a parent, parents like this who believe that some unborn children do have moral worth will, will cast that aside if the child doesn't meet their subjective standard of instrumental good. Now, <clears throat> this is obviously wrong in and of itself, right? Just at face value, that's wrong. Like that is evil. That's actually evil. And you should be able to call that evil. Anyone with a functioning moral compass should say this is pure and unadulterated evil of the worst kind that kills babies because they aren't like you and might pose more of a burden to your life. But it's also a very dangerous path to go down. It has physical body consequences of the dead babies who were killed on that ideology, but it also has ideological consequences that could manifest in physical consequences later. What do I mean by that? If you buy a worldview that says that some human beings can be killed based off of a subjective standard of instrumental good, well, what happens if someone else moves that bar and applies their standard of your instrumental good. And then if you don't clear the bar, they kill you. It's what Hitler did to Jews. It's what racists did to blacks. It's it's literally the story of bigotry and genocide in world history. A person in a position of power applying their subjective definition of human value. And if you don't clear the bar, you're screwed. So this is dangerous and should be rejected out of self-interest, out of pure selfishness, because I don't want a worldview to take root and be successful in a society wherein the strong can kill the weak as long as the strong are in power. And those who are in power can impose their beliefs on human value to intentionally weed out that those those that they determine don't have value. Do you see the consequences of this type of ideology? If we can kill unborn babies for not being chromosomally perfect or failing to meet some intellectual litmus test, then why not born babies? In fact, what's to keep us from killing any born person with any type of intellectual disability? 
who gets to decide the litmus test bar such that those who fall beneath it are killed? This is why abortion always destroys human equality every freaking time. If you ground human value in anything but a human nature, in this case, intellectual ability or chromosomal imperfections, then those with a greater intellectual ability have a greater right to life. And therefore, those with lesser intellectual ability have a lesser right to life because the standards are purely subjective, because we don't share in common intellectual abilities. In fact, we don't share in common anything but a human nature. It's only by grounding human value in the only thing human beings have in common that you can ensure justice, equal treatment, and human value for all human beings. This is not complex, guys. And yet these bad ideas are continuing to be pushed. These vices are being pushed as virtues, the consequences of which are, according to some studies, over 90% of babies diagnosed with Down syndrome are simply killed and discarded. In some countries, it's almost 100. And yet, while a little bit more ghoulish because of its similarity to eugenics, it's actually still the same worldview of Michelle Williams, a subjective standard of human value pushed onto unborn children who, if they fail to meet the standard, are ripped limb from limb. Lastly, I want to get to Planned Parenthood's annual report, which just came out, which proves just one thing. And that one thing is that they love them some abortions, man. <laughs> Despite their claim that abortion is only 3% of what they do, which has been discounted by the Washington freaking post of all publications, which we all know is just a leftist tabloid. <clears throat> their report proves that they have a vested interest in increasing abortions. So Alexandra DeSanctis at the National Review on January 16th, 6th wrote a piece called Planned Parenthood's New Annual Report Proves Abortion is Its Mission. She writes, Planned Parenthood has just released its annual report for the 2018-2019 fiscal year, and the numbers don't come as much of a surprise. In 2018, Planned Parenthood facilities performed 345,672 abortions, an increase of more than 13,000 abortions from what the group reported from the previous fiscal year. That's also the highest number of abortions that the group has ever performed in a single year since it began reporting its abortion data. So they're upping their abortions, despite the fact that we are sitting under a pro-life administration. The pro-life threat to the abortion industry is very similar to attacking a wounded animal. They will increase in their intensity and violence in order to ensure their existence. And in this case, their financial growth. She continues and says, based on the CDC statistics, Planned Parenthood clinics perform more than half of the total reported abortions in the U.S., but then she says, if you base it on the Guttmacher's reporting, well over one third of the estimated annual abortions each year. And that's because the CDC accounts for the reality that many states don't report all of their abortions. So they're trying to come up with a little bit more of a true number of the annual abortions. So if you go off of the CDC statistics, Planned Parenthood performed more than half of the nation's total reported abortions in 2018. They've always been around a third. And if you go with the CDC statistics, they're at a half. That is, that is unbelievable. One company performing nearly half of the annual abortions. 
Is anyone deluded here into thinking that they care about anything but their market share of abortions? You shouldn't be. So she continues and says, Planned Parenthood executives ritually insist that abortion is just 3% of the group's services, a carefully manufactured manufactured statistic that has been deemed inaccurate and misleading by left-leaning outlets such as Slate and the Washington Post, even as the group performs somewhere between one-third and half of the total abortions in the U.S. every year. Contrast Planned Parenthood's 345,672 abortions in 2018 with the other actual services the group's facilities offered. Here you go. According to the report, the group offered 9,798 prenatal care services. That is puny BS numbers in comparison with the number of babies they killed and made 4,279 adoption referrals, which means that its facilities performed 35 abortions for every instance of prenatal care and 81, 81 abortions for every adoption referral. Planned Parenthood's existence is based on its procurement of more abortions. If you watch or listen to last week's episode, we did a little bit of math, didn't we? And we examined roughly what Planned Parenthood makes on killing babies each year. And it's no small figure. In fact, it's a disproportionate percentage of their services and therefore a disproportionate percentage of their income in comparison with their other services. Planned Parenthood is an abortion mill, an abortion business, and like any other business, will make strategic decisions in order to expand their market share of abortions, thereby increasing their profits. Bloody profits built on the bodies of murdered children and wounded women. Share this with someone as we lead into the election year and ask them what they think about Planned Parenthood's financially strategic incentivized business practices to expand their market share of abortions. Well, that's what we have time for for today. Thanks for joining me today. Head on over to iTunes and YouTube. Give the show a review and a rating. Let us know what you think. It really helps. And if you want to learn more and engage with me online, head on over to Facebook. Give my page a like for daily updates about what is happening in the movement and the country or my website, sethgruber.com, S-E-T-H-G-R-U-B as in baby boy E-R.com for my speaking schedule. If you want to come hear me speak live and in person and subscribe to my newsletter for pro-life training delivered to your inbox. Until next week, I'm Seth Gruber and this is Unaborted. Ah! 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 Ah!